Hello and welcome to the business community with me, Heather Noble. And me, Tracy Jones. And um, just so you know, I'm just going to clarify here in case there was any doubt. I am not on Forbes' annual world billionaires list. No? Not this year. Did you surprise me? No. Not this year. (laughs) There are 2,755 billionaires listed. And this um, has been recently published. Uh, We talking about this because I saw an article on the Reuters website on the 6th of April and sort of intrigues me to just think about the sheer scale of what a billionaire is so big number big big number all of those 2,755 billionaires are worth a combined 13.1 trillion dollars now that's a very 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 big number yeah and just thinking about what you can do with that money or how how big it is compared to a million dollars I've got no way of fathoming that that in my head but I I did a bit of research because that was really the thing that was bugging me is million billion trillion is it you know just to let you imagine it's the next step up from a million a little step to a billion a little step to a trillion so just for scale a million seconds is 11 days. A billion okay. seconds is 32 years. And if you okay. had a, a million dollars and spent a thousand pounds a day, you'd run out in three years. A billion dollars spending a thousand pounds a day would last you 2,740 years. Get your head around that oh one. Oh my word. Oh my goodness. That's... That's just mad, isn't it? Yeah. And it's it's because I suppose it's because a million is already quite a big number. It's pretty and then you big. multiply yeah. yeah. And then you multiply it by a thousand and yeah. it's yeah. I mean, the, you mentioned that the um the list uh has has got 2755 people on it that's up 660 people based on the 2019 uh, the 2020 list and one of the headings that they put on Forbes that means that a new billionaire was created every 17 hours on average over the past year oh my god so that's literally you know in the time in the time it takes to get up in the morning and go to bed at night somebody's become a billionaire but not like on the flip of a coin obviously they built their way to it yeah i don't know how long it would take to amass a trillion or a million or I, I, if i if i wanted to be a millionaire i, I think can I help you with already that started. yeah ah, okay yeah i found this one out so to accumulate a million pounds over your lifetime so say you wanted to be a millionaire by the time you were 65, yep. you'd have to save 1750 a month. Okay. So it's averagely achievable in some sort of um, wage brackets, isn't it? 1750 yeah. a month. Okay. To become a billionaire, so just to accumulate $1 billion by the age of 65, and if you were starting at the age of 25, you'd have to save £21 million a year, 
which is not doable by many pay packets at all. Not your average pay packet, certainly. But yeah, £21 million a year between the age of 25 and 65, and you might accumulate a billion. Well, that's never going to happen, is it? Because you you can't earn that. You just you can't just earn it based on your knowledge because it you know it doesn't matter what you leave university with you haven't got the experience so it has to come from smart investing you can't physically or you know dividends or whatever you can't physically clock in and clock out yeah. and earn that sort of money can you no how much you'd earn per second would be quite eye-watering wouldn't it yeah yeah okay so then the research turned to who's on this list. We know who's at the top. Of course, we know who's at the top. You're going to get your uh, Jeff Bezos at the top. He's been there, was it four years now? He's been at the top of the list. And we've got Elon Musk, who's just gone up to second spot. Yeah, he was, he was only 31st last year. And Warren Buffett, who we've talked about previously in the profile spot, he's actually dropped out of the top five, poor man, um, he's still a billionaire, though, remember? He's not really poor. Um, but he's been in the top five for the last 20 years. But apparently now it's tech that's dominating the rankings. But who else is in there? There is a brilliant facility on the Forbes website where you can filter the whole list based on uh, ranked by oldest, by youngest, um, women or men, what industry they're from and what country they're from. And I think you've played with this as well, haven't you, Heather? Oh, I I could spend ages cutting the data in all sorts of different ways. Uh, I think it's worth mentioning that, you know, this Jeff Bezos isn't just a billion. He's $171 billion worth of billionaire. It's not, yeah. he hasn't just snuck over the, over the list, whereas the people at the bottom, bless them, you know, they're kicking around with, you know, 1.2, 1.1. Yeah, um, so that 1 billion by saving 21 million a year for 40 years yeah. is 180 times that. <laughs> it's nuts. Wow. It's nuts. It hurts my head, that does. It really hurts I, my head. <laughs> can I tell you what I felt I had to do as a woman? I had to go and find out the first position at which there is a female in this list. And I was surprised that I only had to go down to number 12 to see a female. She, yeah. She's French. She's the richest woman in the world. And she, um, she owns a well-known brand that women, mostly women, tend to use, which I think is quite ironic. Um, her name is Francois Bessoncourt Meyers, and she is the granddaughter of the founder of L'Oreal. Uh, she is worth $73.6 billion. So that, that, you know, that's a massive organization. That's a massive amount of money. And yeah, she's only number 12, but she's, she's, you know, she's less than half of um, Jess Bezos as well. Wow. And she's number 10. So that shows how the, the ones at the top just ramp right up, don't they? Yeah. 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 From number yeah. 12 to the top. She, she's half the top. Wow. Okay. Well, I had a look to see where we ranked in the UK, and you mm -hmm. had to scroll down to triple figures to actually get to the first billionaire in the UK. Um, that's James Radcliffe, who made his money 
is 17, a mere $17 billion um, in the chemical industry. And we've also got in the UK, uh, the Hinduja brothers, Michael Platt, who's made his money through hedge funds, and Ian and Richard Livingston from real estate. So can I stick with the female theme? Please do. I, th I thought, right, I'll go down the list now and I'll find out the first UK female to appear on the list. I have to go all the way down to 464 to a, a lady who we've mentioned quite a few times uh, in the past. She is the richest woman in the UK. <clears throat> and she is uh, Denise Coates of online um, betting site Bet365. She is worth $6.5 billion, uh, which is significantly richer than Simon Nixon of Money Supermarket, who we talked about um, a few weeks ago, who's who's only only amassed 1.2 billion. And when you remember we were talking about him, he's the one with you know eight luxury properties around the world. Investment, <laughs> he's like a um, uh, an investment angel for all sorts of organisations. So just yeah. So. We were talking before about how long, um, sorry, how much you'd have to save each year to accumulate a billion uh, dollars starting at the age of 25. Well, the youngest person on this list comes in at the age of 18. So Gosh. Kevin David Lehman is ranked 975 with a mere $3.3 billion, but he's 18, Heather. Goodness me. That's, Wow. Where do you go from that? That's just phenomenal. That is phenomenal. Yeah. You can get, well, to be honest, with $3.3 billion, you go wherever you want. <laughs> wherever you really. like. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody's going to argue. I was going to mention, um, I'm very visual, and we've looked at, you know, all, all, you know how, how long it would take to amass this money, etc. I want to know how fast I could spend it. That's what I'm thinking about. <laughs> oh, that's my girl. <laughs> so I started looking at, um, again, well, there's a quiz actually on the Forbes site, and I'll put a link on our website, um, about uh, who wants to be a billionaire. And it's you. It's asking you questions about, gives you multiple choice, you know, who is this person and, you know, how much money have they amassed, et cetera. So that's a bit of fun. Um, but if you were a billionaire, there's only one major league baseball team that you would be able to buy to buy, and that is the Miami Marlins at nine hundred and eighty million dollars. That's so a good would, job. I don't want to buy them anyway. Get much change, yeah, but you won't get much change. But if and it wouldn't be enough change to buy the most expensive house in America, which is in Bel Air, and it's listed at five hundred million dollars. Wow. Or you could buy a super yacht, $600 million, get a 590-foot luxury yacht, fastest in the world. Or you could buy a private island. Um, I mean, they're, they're, they're just coming in at, you know, peanuts, $75 million. But if you've only got $1 billion, you couldn't afford to buy Buckingham Palace because that's estimated to be worth $1.4 billion. But you could... Um, buy yourself a few Balmoral castles because Balmoral is only worth 140 million, which is like, well, it's barely it's worth nothing. having. No, it's nothing. No, it just, yeah. It, 
And, this, and a lot of that is based on you just having one billion, not 171 billion. <laughs> well, if you like a, a visual representation, I found a really interesting little website. Uh, I'll, I'll give you the website and you can put it on the blog, which is the business.community. But it, it shows the scale by scrolling through pixels. It's really, really good. What? So it starts at sort of like a, a thousand dollars and then you know goes up to a hundred thousand and a million and but you have to keep scrolling right to get through it so you scroll right quite a bit to get through a million in terms of pixels but then you're just going on forever to get through a billion and then obviously like the the bezos is of this world where you're up to 180 billion <laughs> you're just going on and on and on scrolling right so it's a really um kinesthetic way to represent yeah. the, the difference the scale between a million and a billion and the top of the Forbes list and That's another like a really way, annoying excel spreadsheet yeah I'm afraid so <laughs> bigger than any excel spreadsheet I've ever used and I've used some biggies another way to look at it is in terms of time so if we start with one second being one second and a million second is 12 days so a nice okay. holiday. A yep. billion seconds is 30 years. So that's a career. Yeah, okay, gosh. And a trillion seconds is 30,000 years. <laughs> it's longer than human civilization, I think. And wow. now, yeah, my mind just really boggles. Um, I don't think if you were a millionaire and you spent a thousand pounds a day, you'd run out in these three years and a billionaire, 2,740 years. It's quite something when you start thinking a million dollars isn't enough. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, that's not going to last me. And that's what you know, you know, that's without you know, buying anything of any great note, at least with the billions. You, you, know, you could really work at spending that money and you, you wouldn't be able to do it. Do you remember Unless... a film from years and years ago, Brewster's Millions? Oh, yes. Yeah. yeah. And I, it's only a vague memory. Less... Wasn't the challenge to try and spend all the money other, um, before? Was it in a he day? Had to, he had to spend a million in so much time in order to get the remaining... Five million that his uncle was leaving him, or something. Yeah. And it was he really a... struggled, didn't he? Yes, yeah, yeah. I could do that yeah. easy, easy. Yeah. But try it with a billion. I think that then we're looking it's at awesome. a whole different challenge. I just go and buy Buckingham Palace. <laughs> well, that, but that, yeah, but that's you know, you can't afford it. You'd have to buy. We could probably find out what Windsor's worth. Like, that might come in slightly less. I don't know. All right. Well, let's let's get to uh, back to reality, shall we? With a, a purchase that I have made recently, I spent less than a hundred pounds on a, a Economist digital subscription within the last two weeks, and uh, I've got to say I've been really impressed with it. It's um, it's an app based subscription, so I've got the Economist app. And I didn't opt for the paper version as well. You could pay a bit more and have both the app and the paper version. But I think it would have just been straight in the recycle bin, if I'm perfectly mm. honest. I, I always think I prefer a paper version of a, a magazine, but then they just 
seemed to collect in the corner and unread. So I started getting this app a couple of weeks ago and it's brought me more than I expected. That's why I really wanted to talk about it. I've been pleasantly surprised by my purchase. Okay, why did you buy it? Were you a victim of a marketing <laughs> ploy? Oh, I or... felt hook, line and sinker for the advert on social media that said oh, they've got this massive sale on their subscriptions. I thought, oh, let's look at this. I have to say that recently I've been thinking I need to broaden my horizons in terms of news outlets partly for this podcast we need to stay abreast of things and we we look in certain media outlets and I I just didn't want to get a bit so samey with it Mm. but also because I I recognized I'm potentially not that well up on world news and it's been very easy um, in the last 12 months to be really focused on the shit show that's gone down in the UK with pandemics and Brexit and all of this that I thought it would be interesting challenge for me to read about the rest of the world as well. And, and does this give you that, do you think? I, I think so as well. And it, But it's allowing me to, to not feel like I've got to read lots of really heavy articles. So what okay. I really like is that every morning waiting for me when I get up is a world in brief. So my morning briefing, which seems very posh, morning briefing um, is a one minute read so if I look at the one for today so we're recording this on the 14th of April my one minute read has got um, news about um, America's Secretary of State announcing NATO forces would join America in coordinated withdrawal from Afghanistan uh, on September the 11th It's got news about Joe Biden phoning Vladimir Putin about Ukraine, Um, news about the Johnson & Johnson vaccine being paused in America, the EU and South Africa, Um, a quick bit about shares in Toshiba surging by more than 8% after its chief exec has resigned, and um, a little bit about major arms sales to the UAE from the US, and a bit about enriched uranium and a bit about Bitcoin. So quite broad, but you could sort of delve deeper into any of those if you wanted to. But for a quick one minute read, I felt like a bit of a, yeah, this is what's going on in the world. Give me a bit of an oversight. I I don't know in depth any of those things. But then there are also more in-depth sections and what I do like is it says how long it expects it to take you to read it. So um, this one here, um, with millions vaccinated, rare side effects of jabs are emerging, reckons that's a four minute read. But I could also have it read out to me as well if I wanted to. So if I didn't want to actually read it. Um, and then there's also columnists as well. Um, daily charts, if you fancy some graphs and a daily podcast. And then there's a weekly version and there's a search functionality. So all in all. And is all of, of all, is all of this inside an app or is it on their app. website? Yeah, it's all in an app. I haven't even bothered looking at the website because the app is really well designed. And I think where I've gone wrong with these sorts of things in the past is I'll sign up for a, a newsletter for um, 
a well-known business publication and it comes into your inbox on a daily basis and all I end up doing is deleting it along with all the Mm. others that come in because I just get overwhelmed on my inbox whereas with it being self-contained in the app and it'll send me a notification to say oh your daily briefing's here and I can choose to go in but um I can then go if I'm looking for something for the podcast. So business this week, there's a three minute read on business this week. And there's, yeah, letters, briefings, and then different sections on whatever you fancy. Yeah, I like it. But what's more, there was added benefits to subscribing. I love it when something that you weren't expecting just happens and you think, wow, that was really good. Uh, last week, I got an email saying, as a subscriber to The Economist, you are invited to a webinar. And this okay. was a webinar that was last Thursday afternoon. So I watched it at the end of the working day. And the subject was the future of work in the context of the pandemic. And uh, it featured three um, commentators or writers from The Economist. It was over Zoom. And they were talking in broad terms, so not practical HR type advice you might get from a firm of HR consultants or from accountants or something like that. It was very much a, a big picture future of the economy, future of working in this new economy. And I really enjoyed it. I didn't make loads of notes. I wasn't there to, to get lots of detailed stats and everything. It was just to actually it was really just to see what it was like so I could tell you on the podcast (laughs) but I really enjoyed it and I think there's a whole series of other web webinars that are available just to subscribers how long was the webinar was it long it was an hour yeah okay okay so So they covered quite a lot of ground yeah yeah Yeah. quite a bit covered um Mm. but I didn't feel at any time that it was padding in the hour they seem to have plenty to talk about that seem mm. relevant so are you familiar with the economist i know we've talked about it on the show we might even be talking ages. a couple of years ago now. yeah ages ago yeah well, i think we i think we did a review of sort of business publications didn't we and we looked yeah. at the ft and the economist and all sorts of things um yeah i am familiar with it i had hoped my plan was to pick up a hard copy and and have a look at it and see you know what that feels like nowadays because i agree with you if i subscribe to a hard copy of a magazine all that happens is they keep dropping through the letterbox and it just reminds me how little time i've had to sit and read things so i find it frustrating you know so You know, it's just like, oh, God, there's there's another one of those. I mean, I love the publication The Week, but it keeps coming through the door every week and you haven't read last week's. And it's and so, yeah. So I understand why you prefer the app, because you can you can go and look at it when you want to go and look at it. And it is a well-designed app as well. I think that's really right. important. Yeah. Right. Okay. Well, so anyway, I didn't, long story short, I didn't manage to pick up a copy. But what I did do is I went to YouTube to see what they'd got on their YouTube channel. And actually, I found that really interesting because there were various, um, there were 15 minutes, something like that, 13 minutes, various um, YouTube videos about all sorts of different subjects. So there was one about um, uh, the way that uh, COVID, the pandemic, has changed the way that we shop. Of course, we know that we're shopping uh, online more, but it, it talks about why we do that 
and, and it's because we get a dopamine fix you know oh. a bit like you get with chocolate so it's you know there's there's a reason why we were desperate to to shop because it made us feel good about ourselves and you know excited about the fact that something was going to be coming in the post but also um beyond that then talking about how online vendors are now using the data that they've gathered and that that's really powerful so you know it's not just it's not just name and address data it's 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 all the cookies it's all that sort of stuff so that was really interesting there was one about the adoption of technology um, and the way that as businesses we've adapted and, and we've talked again about this um, and and various elements about um, innovation um, how crises lead to innovation how restaurants have innovated we've talked about this uh, but the one that I really liked was um, and I don't know if you remember but, but um Quite a while back now, we uh, in the news section, we we I spotted a story where the Barbadian government were offering people a twelve month special visa to go and work in Barbados. I remember that one. Oh, brilliant story! That? Yeah, I know. And it wasn't just to go and work in Barbados; it was to do homeworking in your regular job in Barbados. So, a woman from who worked for Microsoft, she and her husband up sticks. And went to live in Barbados. Oh, she did it. She actually they, did She that. did it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so it's a bit about how that was for them. But then, the, you know, the slightly more serious side of it is that as people come back to work, people might be requesting, they might say, well, why can't I go and live on the moon and still work for you? Um, you know, or, or move to Scotland or whatever, um, or move to Europe. Or European country com- companies, yeah, people d- coming back to, to be honest, yeah, a little bit more achievable than the moon. Yes, well, maybe, maybe not. Who knows? Well, the likes of uh, um, uh, Jeff Bezos—is it Jeff Bezos who's around sending people to the moon? No, it's the other one. Uh, oh, I think they're all Elon, all those Elon Musk billionaires Elon Musk seem to be interested in space, don't they? They do, they do. But it, but it was really interesting in as much that there there's a duty of care for people if they're working from home um if somebody if somebody goes to work in a foreign country it may be that that foreign country decide that the business that that person works for has an office in that country and maybe subject to local taxation so loads of really different things yeah so so i love that i love the the youtube and then of course the podcast um you know, they, they seem to have a podcast on pretty much everything. One just on the coronavirus vaccine, um, editors' pit, uh, money talks, uh, what they call the Economist Radio. Now, some of that for me, um, I struggled with because it did just sound like a guy in a grey suit reading an article out of a magazine. Oh, it sounded and, like they were reading. Yeah, so that didn't really work for me, but. Um, but that's all free. So, you know, the stuff you're getting as part of your subscription, fantastic. But there are free resources, oh, good. which, um, you know, which are, which are pretty good. It's really interesting that you picked up that that was a, a man in a grey suit. That was the image well, you got from that voice. <laughs> it just felt like that. It just, you know, I don't know. It just felt like that. <laughs> I wonder if people can tell what we're wearing. <laughs> To change the subject back to, sorry, (laughs) Uh, changing the subject back to the app very briefly, I just wanted to highlight the search function, um, which um, 
seems to dig into the archives of the Economist articles. So give me a subject, Heather, and I'll type it into the search function. Um, farming. Farming. So not electric cars like you did earlier on. Right, I'll try again. <laughs> Right. OK, so the most recent article that has the specific word farming in was from November last year. British farming after the common agricultural policy. Probably not one I would automatically lean towards. September last year, COVID-19 ends Dutch mink farming. Who knew? Mm -hmm. Can farming be greener after the common agricultural policy? Farming as rocket science. Now, that article, interestingly enough, that goes back a bit. That's from September 2013. OK, so, I mean, obviously the farming ones, they're, they're all last year. But I know we did do electric cars earlier as a dummy run and um, they were they were to they were very up to date, weren't they? Yeah. End of last month, I think. I, but again, with, with the electric cars one, although there was one um, 31st of March, the articles actually went all the way back to 2011. So this app is linked into, yeah. you know, a good, good history as well. So it's another benefit, really, for me. But, uh, yeah, that's The Economist. Pleasantly surprised by a subscription that when I bought it, I thought, oh, what have you done? Why have you, You've been taken in by the social media adverts. What have you done, Tracy? <laughs> but I'm, I'm quite smug to say I'm very pleased with my purchase. Thank you very much. There are worse things to have bought from a social media advert, you know, when suddenly, <laughs> you know, some magical cleaning device arrives that you're never going to use or something that chops carrots in a particular way. So I think I think we can let you off with the economy. I think that's all <laughs> do right. You, do you get inundated with Wish.com adverts on social media because there's some really weird things on there? Yeah, there are. <laughs> Let's not go down that rabbit hole. No, no. Well, and what you have to you have to not click on them. Because it's just going to open a whole can of worms, so you just have to leave it. It's going it. to think you like those really weird underpants. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> Hey-ho, there we go. Okay, who are we profiling this week, Tracy? So, this lady, it's a lady called Joanna Swash, not to be confused with Joe Swash, the presenter and actor. So, Joanna Swash is the group CEO at Moneypenny, and according to her Twitter profile, she's passionate about supercharging people and businesses to be the best that they can be. And I would say that that one sentence is pretty much summing up the whole of her internet presence that we found so far. As far as I've managed to dig in anyway, mm -hmm. the mm -hmm. profile of Joanna Swash online is almost like a stick of rock that passionate about people and business is running through the center of her, like like the words in a stick of rock. And that's in every article that I found about her on the internet. Have you found anything more juicy than that, Heather? No, I really, I've really struggled. In fact, I've only really been able to find facts the fact that she works for Money Penny, that she is the CEO of Money Penny, that she's well respected and you know, and and um, and commented and you know, a talking head and you know, contributes to all sorts of things in that capacity. But I find it really hard to find out anything about her. You know, like where did she go to school? What you know, where did she where did she grow up? What where did she work for before she went? She worked at Money Penny. Hmm. That sort of background stuff. I didn't get a sense of the woman. 
I just yeah, got a it's, sense of the role. It's interesting, isn't it? Because sometimes when, when we're looking to profile people, you get a sense that um, the online presence has been cleansed. And, and there's, there's a particular <laughs> one that we looked at that we, we didn't even profile because it was like, yeah, you, you've cleaned the internet of this. <laughs> now, although Joanna Swash has got a very clean profile, it doesn't suggest it's been cleansed. It just, to me, suggests that everything that's been placed online about her has been placed with um, a certain product in mind or a certain personality, a certain association with how she does business. And it's been done very cleanly and very consistently. And that's sort of yeah, what I picked up. it is consistent. Up. Yeah, it's it's almost as if it's been um, uh, optimized. Yeah, which is no bad thing. I mean, no. but I I do sometimes miss the sense of, you know, the, what what is the personal element in there, and, mm. and that's not me being like stalkerish. Some some of the people that we've profiled, do you really warm to is because some of their twinkly personality comes through or you know something uh, something that they've said an opinion or a story that they've told or just a sense of the way that they live their life or their background it, it just yeah. engages you doesn't it whereas Joanna Swash is very much uh, well I suppose this sums it up uh, she won the management today's CEO of the year award rightly so very proud as our money penny of talking about this and I think this is pretty much Again, it sums up everything that you read about her is that she's um, won this award for ambitious and visionary leaders um, who help to build and sustain world class businesses. She was chosen for performance, business performance, leadership and growth, development of company culture and ability to drive transformation in the business. That's quite a a CV and, and quite an accolade. She's done all of mm. those things. And she was involved in moving um, the market for Money Penny into the US um, as well as the UK. So she's, you know, really been instrumental in that. And yeah, that's in everything that we've read. And she's in podcasts, she writes lots of articles, featured in lots of um, publications as well. Anybody who doesn't know or isn't familiar with Money Penny, I mean we it's it's very local to where where uh, you live tracy and and i often have to drive past you know now that you're able to travel into wales um and it's got a purpose built building and basically um, essentially what they do is they they provide call center virtual um switchboard facilities for 21,000 companies across the world um they have um a thousand staff now that's that ramped up significantly from 500 in about 2016 I think it was and the turnover 50 million so it's it's a serious business um and they locally you know they're, they're very well known and they regularly feature on the best companies to work for list and they have this um a culture where they have really innovative stuff. They've got an online pub, they, all sorts of swanky stuff. You know, it's quite a funky building. Um, We've talked about the architecture there before, haven't we, as well, about yeah. innovative office spaces. Um, yeah. But what what is probably, this probably really well known for is the building because that made big news. 
but also is the fact that they talk very much about the the culture about yeah. honesty and open dialogues and giving people space so to actually grow into their roles and and to provide an environment for them to flourish and grow um, and um, empowering their teams. That again is, is mentioned numerous times in the articles that um, Joanna has either written or has, has been interviewed for. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the HQ costs, costs 15 million pounds to build. Uh, and it, it was intended to be different. I mean, they have tree house meeting rooms. I have no idea what they are, but it sounds like you have to go up a ladder. So I don't <laughs> think I would be taking part in that personally um but but it, i think that they're bucking the trend in terms of your average call center environment um and and i think you know that that certainly comes through in everything that joanna seems to be saying yeah they're, they're talking about embedding a culture i i don't know anybody that uh, works at money penny um and i've never visited either i've not visited the offices I've have not. you heather no no i've not um, but it'd be interesting to know this is um, the the culture that they talk about and, and about the um, the safe environment to flourish and grow. And it, to me, it seems quite at odds with some of the work because it's a call centre as well, isn't it? Mm. So I'd be really mm. interested to see how that culture actually filters down to the coal face for the call centre. How do they make that work any different to any other call centre? Yeah, I think I did see um, an interview with her where she was talking about how they've embraced, you know, technology. And of course, in that sort of environment, technology is going to be, you know, headsets, uh, you know, voice over internet, you know, VoIP numbers. There's probably going to be some monitoring software, you know, from a security point of view, from a GDPR point of view. And it's how all of that mix hangs together and it's not cheap it's not cheap to have have those sort of systems in place this isn't just um this isn't just you know ladies picking up the phone answering calls and taking messages for mr jones this is serious stuff uh, and it and it spans that you know the whole the whole globe now so um you you yeah. mentioned that you went to a talk um or, or rather you were on the same bill as one of the founders Rachel yes. Parker, and she was talking about how they innovated a few years ago and didn't they um, invite some of their staff to go and relocate the other side of the world so that they yes. could offer a truly 24-hour service is that right yeah they, they well they basically did she said it was a total game changer that they by having an office and um, New Zealand or Australia but on the other side of the planet completely and that meant that they could then potentially double the level of service that they're offering. So that doubles their potential client base because, you know, I don't know if they run a shift. They must run some sort of shift systems on both sides of the, of the globe. But it, it was just a total transformation. And so now they have they have people over there and they have people over here. Um, and I think they've even got um, uh, a location in or maybe several, but in the States, a presence in the States. So they've probably got all time zones pretty much covered. Probably could do with going into parts of the East, but uh, it, I'm sure it's just a matter of time before they've got all, <laughs> all four corners of the world covered. 
So from starting as Money Penny's first salesperson 13 years ago, I think it's safe to say that she's certainly moved up the ranks. Um, so as well as being award-winning, she can be found um, on the Forbes Business Council. So it's a growth and networking organisation for business owners and leaders. Um, she's interviewed in numerous places. A, a more recent one that I found was northernpowerwomen.com. Life Lessons with Joanna Swash. Uh, where did you find um, material, Heather? Uh, well, I, I, I Googled and found some fairly sort of local um, publications doing interviews with her, etc. There was one really long interview, and I'm just scrolling up to the top to remind myself where it was. Um, oh, yeah, Authority Magazine. Um, Women of the C-suite. Joanna Swash of Money Penny on the five things you need to succeed as a leader, and um, yeah, it's it's really in depth. And she shares some of her favourite quotes. She talks about the fact that she she ran her own small business, but again, I've not been able to ascertain what that was at all. Um, and you know, and some of the people that she admires, some of the some of the qualities that she feels that she brings to the party, or that somebody needs in order to lead a company, lead an organisation. Um, and she does talk very fondly about the founders, Ed Reeves and Rachel Clacker, who are brother and sister, um, and that she thought she would be almost unemployable having run her own business. But she was so. We know what that feels like, don't we? Heather? Yeah, totally. But she was so born into the culture and the idea of what she did that she could she could work for them and she could um, she could make it happen. So, um, yeah, as I, as I've said, I'd just like to know a bit more about. I've no idea is she a mother. I've no idea you know, what makes her tick. I mean, this makes her tick, but there must be other stuff. You know, and I'd, I'd really like to know a bit more about that. So if anybody's got any insight into. <laughs> the, Just the connect life and with her on LinkedIn, Heather, and, and be done with it. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, I've done that with a few people and it and it seems to work. Yeah, perhaps we'll both give it a go. Let's see who she connects with first. <laughs> Neither of us. <laughs> so if she ghosts us both, Heather, we'll know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, when Dame Stephanie Shirley um, connected with me on LinkedIn, obviously the first thing I did was was message you, say, look, you know, I've made it. <laughs> That's all we've got time for this week on the business community. If you've enjoyed listening to this week's podcast, you can find out about all the things that we've talked about over the years at our website, which is thebusiness.community. We do hope you'll join us again next week for more news, views and reviews from the world of business.